You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Well, we have a bit of a treat here today. We got Allie Boone uh, that's going to uh, talk to us about quite a, we're going to cover quite a bit of ground here today uh, and we're going to expect us to go for about 30, 40 minutes um, based on our our uh, rabbit hole before we even hit record. I'm, I'm adding a little extra time just because of. Sure, you know where this is going. <laughs> we don't know where this is going and you're really easy to chat with. Um but I'm going to direct everybody. Um, Allie's really got a great opportunity for everybody here. Head over to hipsterinvestments.com slash REI mastermind. And uh, she's offered everybody a free book. So might as well take advantage of that. Again, it's hipsterinvestments.com slash REI mastermind. Really appreciate it, Allie. And I'm sure everybody's going to appreciate grabbing that book from you. Oh, well, thanks for having me. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to share the book with everyone. And you called me a treat. So I'm like, I got to give a gift for that. Like, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I like well, being a treat. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, you're, so, look at, I mean, like I said, we, we blew through like 15 minutes before we even hit record. <laughs> the thought even went through my head. I was like, I wonder if we should just hit record because this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except I don't want to talk about that anymore. I was, I was about to say, except we may have scared everybody out of real estate. We were talking about our horror stories of getting into this industry. It's like, oh, let's start a little more positive. <laughs> but the good news is we're both still here and survived to talk about it. So there's well, got to be something yeah, there. there. There is something there. And in one day, I'm probably going to go into detail exactly what's going on uh, or what went on at that at that point in time. But um, with that being said, you know, what I'm going to put you on the spot on right yeah. away and one that I didn't didn't use as a spoiler alert is that <laughs> you went from aerospace engineering to real estate investing. Mm -hmm. That has to have been the biggest mindset shift I, of anybody I've ever met. Yeah, you know, the um, yes. But that actually, that transition actually is what prompted what I would be, what I would consider to have been the biggest mindset shift was really being a nine to five worker working for somebody to entrepreneurship. Because, you know, I, I left this corporate engineering job and suddenly I was on my own. And I'll tell you what, it's now, I guess I'm coming up on 10 years into that. And the mindset shifts that have been required for that, I mean, both as an investor and entrepreneur, which kind of at the end of the day are it's a similar mindset. Oh man, you know, for somebody I was before I was an engineer, I was a pilot. So like I'm trained checklist, bullet points, linear steps, one through seven. And if you have to deviate, you go to another checklist and then engineering, you know, I was in control of everything I ever did. And suddenly real estate investing and entrepreneurship, there was only so much I could control. And that for me, oh my God, I, I still am learning that every single day. Well, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. And I bet you that part of that really paid off with you when it came to real estate investing. I, yeah. I've actually found that a lot of people who get into real estate investing, they don't know how to build out those steps and what they need to do to accomplish yeah. their goals. 
Yeah. And it's, it's been interesting because you had, I think you had mentioned earlier, like I do coaching with people. So I, I kind of had to sit myself down uh, just even in the last few months of like, I realized I was giving people what seemed to be two different messages. It's like, on one hand, you need to be in control of your investments. On the other hand, you need to completely let, con- let go of control of your investments. And people kind of look at me like, what? <laughs> like I'm, I'm blatantly saying two opposing things. And so I've kind of had to think that through of myself. I'm like, what am I talking about? And it's, yeah, like with investing, I would say so many people that I meet, like if not the majority, especially people getting into real estate, they're trying to dive into something that they have no control over. They don't, they don't know enough to be able to have a hand in their own fate. And, you know, people come to me and they're like, do you think this would be a good investment? I'm like, I don't know. Do you? And they, they don't know, you know, because you got to get the education to know what you're aiming for. So in that regard, like, try not to be a victim to the process or a victim to the industry. Like you control your destiny. On the other hand, at the end of the day, we can only do the best that we can do. We can put risk mitigations in, we can stay on top of things, we can get the education, but sometimes we just kind of have to let go of the end result also because you can do everything correctly. This is speaks to analysis paralysis or paralysis by analysis or whatever, you know, people are trying to learn so much. They're trying to learn how to make it hundred percent perfect. And you can't guarantee that you can only do the best that you can, which does involve that education piece and controlling your destiny. But people get so hung up on whether it's going to work or not. You kind of have to let that part go. So it's, it's this interesting concept of control. Yes, on one hand, you've got to take control over things. On the other hand, you have to completely let go of control of things. And honestly, I see why people were getting confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's understandable. You know, that, that that's a great topic. What you just brought up, though, is the, the concept of the leaving the corporate world. I mean, um, mm-hmm. that does take a significant risk and a significant mindset shift yeah. In in uh, I mean, let's face it, an aerospace engineer, I would imagine you were doing fairly well. I was doing very well and I was very in control. <laughs> and I could I could control what happened, you know. It, that was that was the thing is that when I left that, my control kind of disappeared to a certain degree, but yeah, engineering, you know, I had the paid nice paycheck every Friday. I had health I had a great health insurance policy. I'll never have that again. Um, you know, I just, I, I just had to show up when, where I was supposed to be and what time I was supposed to be there and do my job. And, you know, sometimes there's a part of me that misses that a little bit because it almost, it's funny saying that aerospace engineering could be brainless, but anytime you're working a job, it it can be a little bit more brainless. Whereas now on the other side of that, I, it's like all 24 hours my day are thinking about my investing or my entrepreneur, you know, I have to do all of those things where when I checked out of my engineering job, it's like, cool, go home, watch TV, chill out. No big deal. You know? So yeah, it was, it it was definitely a change. Right. So, you know, I typically find that there was, there's either some sort of pain that causes somebody to make this, to, to, to push you to make any, some kind of change, or you have established a big enough why to pull you into that direction. What, what happened with you? What, what caused that situation to finally occur? I 100% agree that it's one of those two things that causes it. And for me, it was the latter. It was a why. And I think in hindsight, and I probably knew it at the time, 
ever since I was a kid, I kind of knew I would probably never be able to work for somebody. Like I've always been very independent, but my why a hundred percent, a thousand percent is freedom. And, you know, my idea was, but like I said, I used to fly airplanes. So through grad school, when I was getting my master's degree in engineering, I was flight instructing as my side job. And my thought was, I loved flight instructing so much, but believe me when I say it's never been known for good pay. It's like, how can I do this thing that I love and not be reliant on the money? And then my other thing that was constantly in my head is I wanted to be able to say yes to friends who wanted to go get lunch on a Tuesday. Like I just wanted the option to do whatever I wanted. I've always been a little rebellious in that department. Like I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I, it'd be a shocker, you know, if I told you I'm single, I'm sure. Um, but I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so that drive for me was so strong that I had to get out. And so it was funny because, you know, here I am, I go all the way through grad school, get a master's degree. So I'd been in school for, I don't even know how long. And I get my first corporate engineering job and it was the, a dream company, dream scenario. I mean, I had just landed gold. And I'll never forget, I tell this story all the time. I walk like a mile underground because, you know, this is all like top secret stuff and all this cool stuff. And so now I'm working underground. I was like, hmm, okay. And I turn the corner into my cubicle, my new office, first, my first big girl office. I turned the corner and I looked at this drab gray cubicle. I actually tell the story in the book too. This dray, uh, drab gray cubicle. And in my head, before I ever sat down on the chair, I was like, this isn't going to work. I knew it right then. I had not even sat down in the stupid chair. And, you know, think about it. I was, I had out flight instructing. My office was the sky. I got to fly airplanes and adventure and see cool things. And here I am now underground in this gray cubicle in an office chair. And I was like, never going to work. So, you know, seven, eight, nine years of school, I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. Um, so, basically from the minute I sat down, my brain was already stewing of how am I going to get out of this? Like I have to get out of this. And it took five years for me to figure out a way out of it. Um, but uh, trust me, I was motivated. And to this day, it's the why. And I even have a whole chapter in the book of finding your why. And it's not like, oh, well, I want financial freedom. That's not your why. Why do you want financial freedom? And like when you get deeper and deeper and deeper with that why, when you realize how big your why is, you get real motivated real fast. So that was a hundred percent. My journey was based on the big why. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and, and again, since you brought up the book, I'm going to just re remind everybody, you can get a free copy of it by going yeah. to hipsterinvestments.com slash REI mastermind. Yep. Uh, take advantage of that. And I really like your website, actually. If you go there, ah, go to hipsterinvestments.com. Uh, there's a, there's a ton of resources here. Thanks. I'm actually trying to build a uh, the alleyboon.com site because you know we've talked about kind of coaching. I do business consulting, so I want to make it hipster site is mostly specific to turnkeys and a little bit of generic real estate stuff. But I appreciate that feedback because it motivates me to get the even bigger site going with more resources. So you know, uh, I, I I mentioned that I. I read through the one sheet and I do a little research on you. And, uh -oh. and one thing that keeps coming up is <laughs> spiritual psychology. And this I'm is impressed the, that one came up. And that, that, well, it's the first time I've seen that associated with somebody. Um, and so <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know this about me, but I like a good story. <laughs> so I figured it would generate another story. So let's go there. So it's funny. So I got my first master's degree in aerospace engineering, and I ended up getting a second master's degree in spiritual psychology. And a lot of times when people you know, I'm saying something about a degree or whatever. I usually just call it psychology because the minute you put that spiritual word in, people are like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's not a religious thing. It's not whatever. But it's funny because I honestly only started that program, the spiritual psychology one, because I thought it would be hilarious to tell people that I had master's degrees in aerospace engineering and spiritual psychology. Like, you know, I moved to Los Angeles. What else are you going to do than become a professional hippie? I was like, I can be like, I can have a degree in being a hippie. Like you kind of have to do it at that point. And then once I got into the program, I absolutely fell in love with it. It changed my entire life. To this day, my my life would be completely different had I not done that. So I ended up going through the whole two years and got the degree. So it is still the funny story of having both because I mean, talk about different ends of the brain spectrum. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was it was absolutely game changing. And I the things I learned in that program, I use every single day in investing, entrepreneurship, life. Every it changed my perspective about a ton of stuff. Well, what, what are a couple of those low-hanging fruits that you could share then that uh, changed your perspective or that could help somebody else right now? Um, one of the, the big things that I learned kind of, it may have been in the first weekend, um, and it, it has changed a lot for me, is the, I, now, caveat this, I, we all have different belief systems. You know, this is just one belief system. It's not to say anyone else is wrong. So if I say anything that, you know, counters your personal belief system, no problem. It's just what I took for myself, which was one of the big ones was that everybody has their own inner resources because I was the person growing up. And even today that I've for the most part, been very capable, very strong, very independent. Like I can kind of be the rock for people that are struggling through whatever. And my old mindset about that was I felt this huge, not obligation, but like responsibility to help people through their challenges and to really like, I don't want to say do it for them, but kind of to some degree and being taught that we all have our inner, our own inner resources. Like a lot of what we learned in that program was facilitation. And so instead of, you know, if I'm giving you advice and I'm telling you how to do things, that's me assuming you can't figure that out on your own. And I also don't know the best way for you to resolve your challenge. So me realizing that you have your own inner resources and my job is really to just be there and help facilitate you to connect with those inner own inner resources. Of course, if I have a good idea for you, I can share it. You know, I can say, have you thought about this? But then if you come back to me and tell me, like, I decided to do it this way. And I'm thinking in my head, well, that's never going to work. It's, it's not my, that's, that it's your journey. And I don't know that it's not going to work. And so for me, it just took a whole bunch of pressure off of realizing it's not my job to save the rest of the world and everybody around me and to just be there from a, a place of compassion of support, you know, support people how I can, but taking that pressure off. Cause I, I don't know where I adopted that feeling of pressure of, you know, helping everyone through their stuff. Um, yeah, that was a big one for me and just kind of really releasing that responsibility. That was a big one. Yeah. You know, you, you made me think of something, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to express this or, or, or put it in the proper wording. You know, when you, you 
say uh, everybody has their internal strengths or, or uh, own inner um, resources. Yeah, their inner resources. Um, for some reason, it it spurred the concept that uh, everybody has their uh, demons as well. But uh, in 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 some ways, I think a lot of people uh, are misinterpreting some of those some of those things as as demons when, when they, it could be used for good. Yeah. Um, a, a good thing, uh, for example, if you, uh, are, if you're constantly obsessive about something you study and study and you, you, you're in an analysis paralysis, um, you could redirect that energy and that experience and, and, and that actually consider it an, an ability and direct it and make use of that. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can. It's like, it's called reframing. It's like, okay, hang on, let's take this thought or this idea or this whatever and reframe it. How can we use that to the best of our abilities? And while you were saying that, it kind of brought up something that I learned early on with investing, even before I quit my corporate job, was asking myself, what is truly the worst case scenario? So analysis paralysis typically is based in fear for good reason. If you're about to slap $50,000 down on something and you don't totally know what you're doing, fair enough to say you might be a little fearful and you should be a little bit fearful because you need to be prompted to learn, you know, actually know what you're doing. But what's the worst, absolute worst case scenario that could happen? Because for me, when I actually sit down and ask that, it's not as bad necessarily as I thought it was. So let's say that worst case scenario in that situation is you lose 50 grand. Yeah, that could absolutely suck, but you didn't die either, you know, and, and I think so many of us adopt this kind of, we have a, it's a natural in our human brains, like fight or flight. We assume that obviously we're going to die if things go wrong. That's, (laughs) it's a survival mechanism. And when we realize that we aren't, it can take some of that pressure off. So the analysis paralysis that we're talking about, it's like, okay, hang on. What is the worst case scenario here? So I slap $50,000 down and it all goes kaput or, you know, what is the worst case? And so using that as a tool to help you overcome those fears, because just tying exactly into what you're saying is sometimes it's about reframing. Sometimes it's about um, acknowledging that maybe we have a misperception about something like, oh, you're right. That doesn't mean that, you know, changing, you know, altering the misperceptions or just really kind of facing those fears. Like, how bad are we talking here? Like, is my life actually in danger? If I lose 50 grand, what happens? Is my family going to be homeless for 10 years? Well, that that's okay. Maybe we don't invest 50 grand, you know, like, and really it going back to that control thing, it's like learning to control your mind, but also letting go at the same time. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes sense. And now I'm starting to see where you got the title for your book, because part of it is life lessons <laughs> on hacking your mind before you hack your wallet. Yeah. You know, it. I, I love that too, because uh, in my very first year of entrepreneurship, kind of in the light of what we were talking about, I had to conduct multiple kind of, um, I had to trick my mind. So remember, I was this control freak pilot, engineer, like I had never lost control. And so now I no longer had control. I couldn't make people buy properties. I couldn't make my business effort, my entrepreneurship efforts work. I couldn't make any of that happen. I could do the best that I could every day, but I couldn't make the money come in. And I didn't really for the first year. And my mind was like, 
alert, alert, mayday, eject, get out, you know, like, hello, I live in Los Angeles. My rent payments are not cheap and neither are my grocery bills. And so the first kind of trick that I did with my mind was like, I was like, okay, cool. I appreciate, I'm like, you know, I look like a schizophrenic talking on my couch. I'm like, I appreciate you trying to protect me. There are legitimate concerns here, you know, gotta, gotta have money to eat, but what if we do a trial, an experiment? I think this was maybe like, I don't know, April or May of this that year. And I said, here's what we'll do. From now until December 31st at midnight, we don't have to worry about anything. Doesn't matter if we make a penny. And on January 1st, we will sit back and see how things are going. And if they look like they're going absolutely terrible and this isn't going to work, go back to engineering. No problem not a big deal. If things look like they're working, cool, we'll keep on. And right then my mind was like, okay, cool. It, you know, it needed some kind of assurance of like, we're not going to die. And so once I gave it that assurance, I was so relaxed after that because I didn't have to worry about anything for the next eight, nine months, however long that was. And then on January 1st, I was like, okay, What's, what's the verdict? And things had started picking up. I wasn't suddenly making a fortune, but things had picked up. Things were gaining traction. So me and my mind, we extended our experiment trial thing for, I think it was like three months after that. It's like, okay, let's just renew it. Three months from now, same deal. And that kept me going. So all of that to say, hacking your mind, that is, that's been my experience is learning how to work with what's in here to make it all work. Because it, to me, it's not about like entrepreneurship, investing, it's not about the logistics of the thing that you're doing. It's about your mindset. Like, how are you going to navigate all of this when things get complicated or whatever? And that's the hacking your mind part is, and I put life lessons because a lot of the stuff in the book, if not most of it can be applicable to any aspect of life, not just real estate investing, but yeah, see now you got me talking psychology and I won't shut up if you don't stop me. So I, that my whole thing, I absolutely love the psychology end of it. Hence, you know, also the other master's degree. And it's, I think it's critical. I think it's absolutely critical and it's not talked about enough because you Google how to be a real estate investor. What are you going to get? How to guide on how to flip a house or how to wholesale. Well, helpful for some, but not most of us. So that's, that's a lot of the motivation where the book came from. Well, you, I, I think it was interesting that you talked as if you were negotiating with another person. Oh, and I sounded, if my neighbor, I mean, my neighbors probably heard me. They're like, I hope someone else is in there because who is she talking to? <laughs> I sound like a schizophrenic on my couch all the time. Fortunately, I live in Venice Beach and everyone's on meth and they're talking to their own voices too. So I think everyone just assumes I fit in. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, I think it's interesting. Like everybody, it's, it, I always find it interesting what triggers people, like yeah. something that makes it like, okay, I got it. I know what to do. Yeah. You, you took that approach and you basically negotiated yourself to yourself. And to me, <laughs> I actually like I had to, I had, in a way, I guess I negotiated with myself as well. And the fact that, okay, if I'm going to do this, what do I exactly do I need to do? And I actually yeah. made a list of like daily activities yep. of, okay, this is what I need to do on a daily basis to achieve X goal. And it, it, it took me that type of exercise for me to go, okay, this makes sense. Now I know what to do tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's. Yeah. 
Well, and I love that because so much of this journey too is us. I was just, I was I writing about this earlier. I was, this was fresh in my head earlier is, oh, I know I was scrolling through Instagram and I follow, you know, a lot of thought leaders and money and investing, all that kind of stuff. And while so much of the advice and the information they give is fantastic, there's a whole set of stuff that I'm like, mm, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. It doesn't mean it's wrong for other people, but for me personally, it doesn't work in you mentioned like a to-do list every day. I tried and I wish I was this person. I I had a business mentor one time that showed me his like daily schedule broken out and it was down to like the half hour uh, intervals. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even imagine how much I would accomplish if I would structure myself because I am not a structured person. I wake up when I want to. I'll probably watch an episode of my soap opera before I work. And I'm like, I can't imagine what all I'd be accomplishing. So I tried to give myself that structure Every part of my being was like, get out. It, it absolutely, I accomplished less with the structure. And, you know, so it's about knowing ourselves, like what's going to work for you in a day. And this is part of the mind hacking because other people can't tell you necessarily what's going to work exactly for you. So like you, you figured out if you have a list of things you want to accomplish in a day, like that, that helps you do that. Like, and it, you know, someone else, it may be a different tool. And so it's that, it's that willingness to, know and accept what will work for you. I wish I was the scheduled structure person. I'd give anything. I'd also give anything to be a morning person. I'm not either of those. And so it's kind of like, well, here's what we're working with type of thing. And, you know, being willing to do what it takes and realize that that's specific to you and do it. Yeah. And and, and I, I probably should clarify, you know, I don't, I, I never generated an actual to-do list every day. It was like, I knew X number of activities are required to find one deal. Yeah. And I, so I, so it was the same list day after day. I had to make yeah. sure I hit X number of points to make sure that I'm going to generate w- so many leads in a month yeah. so that I could maintain a lifestyle. That's <laughs> awesome. I, that's, yeah, I love that. And it goes back to that, like, you know, the thing I learned in that first year of as an investor and entrepreneur was, all I can do is the very best that I can do every single day. Cause you know, I was relying on people buying properties and things that I couldn't control. And so like with you, the best that you can do is the steps that you know will get you that. You don't know if the leads are actually going to come in, but all you can do is do what you need to do. And then, you know, work with it as it comes after that. And I love that. The more people figure that out of like, what do I need to do? Because it's putting that best foot forward. It's, you know, not to say like, not to bring in like karma and manifestation or whatever, but like you're proving your intention. You will make it happen if you do those things, you know, like set yourself up for it. It'll happen. Yeah, no. And and uh, I'm one of those guys that I've, I've, I've learned that I will, get hyper-focused on something and, uh, you oh, know, meow. for, yeah, here she, here she is. Cat. You wanted to, you wanted to yeah, see Yeah, I do want to see the kitty. Here she is. Oh, um, she has little boots. <laughs> oh, and she's little. Yeah. She's about a year old now. Oh, I love her. So anyway, she, um, what I was saying is that I can get hyper-focused on something and, and then, you know, if I, I could be designing a logo or yeah. dinking around with who knows what and not doing those lead generation activities. Yeah. So it, it prevented me from getting sidetracked with some of those other activities. Uh, so it, it ref, I refused to do anything 
that isn't money generating during business hours. If, if yeah. it's going to be something like that, it has to be done, you know, after 8.30 p.m. Um, I love over. that. I mean, that's that's an exact example of learning to hack your mind. It's like, OK, haha, I'm going to I'm going to win over this, you know, like figure out it's and somebody asked me one time why I use the word hacking like what and I was like. I kind of have to think about it, but like if you hack through brush, that's what we're doing. Our minds are full of all sorts of voices and distractions and shiny objects. And my favorite is thinking of it like the inner roommate, you know, the naysayer, the negative voices, you know, whatever. I call it my inner roommate. I'm like, shut up. And but that's that's like what you came up with. That's hacking your mind. It's like, okay, no shiny objects during the day, money making things only done. That could be a chapter in the book. You know, like that's, that's, that's the stuff that people need to adopt for themselves. A hundred percent. How hard is it to write a book? I mean, that's, I can't imagine anything more daunting than that blank page. It, it was, it was, <laughs> well, so I actually am fine with the writing. Cause you know, I was a writer for bigger pockets for years. And like, I've, I, um, I actually had an English teacher in college that changed my writing for, I I've never been the same writer in a good way. She, I kept turning in papers and this, I think this was like my first or second year in college. I don't know. And I kept turning in papers and she called me in after class one day and I was like, Oh, and she could tell that I was trying to sound a certain way. You know, I was trying to sound, you know, however a writer is supposed to sound. And her exact words were to me, just transcribe what's in your head, just straight out of your head. Because I was trying to sound like a writer. She said, don't try to sound like a writer. Just write what you're thinking, you know, kind of conversational, whatever. I've always done that ever since. And it's funny because people who know me in person, they're like, you, you write exactly how you talk. And I'm like, because I'm literally moving it from the brain to the hand. So the writing part for me, not a problem. I could write for just hours on end, no problem. However, the logistical uh, dynamic of putting a book out, ugh. Like it was so frustrating because again, you know, just like new investors or whatever, I don't, I didn't know what I didn't know. I probably still don't know most of it. And it was one of those situations I was willing to hire someone to help. And I've learned very quickly. If you say, Hey, can you help me put my book out? Everybody will say yes, not helpful. I'm like, Oh, cause then they have no idea what they're doing. And so it was funny because I, I had told myself, I was like, wow, I have an actual degree in rocket science and I cannot for the life of me figure out how to put this book out like this should not be difficult but you know it's a lot like real estate investing where you there's just we don't take a class on this in school like how to publish a book that would be very handy but because no one ever taught us this and we didn't have a syllabus to follow you kind of have to figure it out on your own which is it's not that it's a hard process itself but trying to figure out what the process is in the first place is terrible. So I, I had started the book so many times and stopped it for the sole reason of, oh, I can't even imagine having to actually publish it because that sounds hard. And then in 2020, when the COVID quarantine, you know, the gates slammed down, I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do now? I was like, well, I guess this seems like a good time to figure out how to put a book out. So yeah, the writing part for me is easy, but the actual logistics and cleaning it up, editing, oh, it's terrible. But <laughs> I, I, I did, I, I knew I could hire someone to do it all for me, but I was like, you know, it's quarantine. I have nothing better to be doing right now. Anyways, like, let me 
force myself to learn this process because I think we all need to learn new things occasionally. Now, do I want to become a professional book publisher? <laughs> uh-uh. I don't even want to do it for my second book. But yeah, it's it was it was humbling, honestly, because you know, there's so much stuff that I do all the time and I'm good at a lot of things. And then it just doesn't seem like it should be that hard to put out a little piece of paper. But well it, it, it's always I, I think you you I hope you've been using that uh, real estate investing isn't rocket science. I mean, oh. if, if anybody, if anybody can use that phrase, it would be you. Even worse. How have I never thought of them? Hello. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I've been in this. I quit engineering. Let's see. Almost 10, like nine, 10 years ago. And I've never once thought about that. Like that could in have fact, been the name I of the book. I, I think I just found <laughs> the title of this episode. I, I, I think you did. And I think you may have found the title for like my like career from here on it, like <laughs> done. <laughs> so, well, Allie, this has been a great conversation. I, and uh, I'm just going to remind everybody, we've been talking about your book and I'm going to transition one more time, head over to hipsterinvestments.com slash REI mastermind get a free copy of Allie's latest book, not your how-to guide, real estate investing, life lessons on hacking your mind before you hack your wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, very worthwhile. In fact, the, the website's got a ton of resources. Make sure you take a look at that. But before I let you go, Allie, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Oh, you opened the psychology door. I'm like, oh man, you could, you could have me talking for hours. Um, yeah, no, I love conversation. I love, I love conversations like these because it's not just about the real estate investing. It's about to me, what is more important. And I think you asked amazing questions. You know, that's, that's what people want to know is like, how are you going to get out of corporate? How are you going to survive those years? How are you going to get past the fears? And psychology, man. We can all be schizophrenics on our couches talking to our inner roommate and we're going to be fine. (laughs) Well, I can't (laughs) thank you enough. This was a great conversation and you're always welcome back. And I hope you take me up on that invite. Oh, I, you be careful because I'll show up like every day. I'd be like, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I'd love like I said, that. You ask a lot of questions that a lot of people don't ask in this industry. And yeah, you could, you could get me going for a long time. So well, I'd love frankly, to come back. Just like you said, uh, I frankly don't think we spend enough time on it. You know, everybody's, yeah. it's a lot of how to, but frankly, as far as I'm concerned, until you get it right between the ears, it's not going to manifest in the yeah. real world. I mean, it's just yeah. not going to happen. And it's funny that pe- more people aren't talking about the mindset because if what's the one book that got all of us our start, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And guess what that is? It's a mindset book. He doesn't tell you exactly how to do the, you know, step one, step two, step three. It's a mindset book. And it's like between the time that book came out and changed millions of people's lives, it's how I got started. It's how most people get started. But yet no one's kind of really noticing like, you guys do realize that was a mindset book, right? Like it's the mindset is where the power is. It's not in the how-to guides. It's how are you going to navigate all of this? And I think that's why Rich Dad, Poor Dad became what it was, is that it, for the first time, changed so many people's mindsets. So why are we not talking more about mindset? You know, I, th- I think there's proof in the pudding that it's it's critical. 
for me, it's been critical. It's every coaching client I coach. It's critical. It's all mindset. It's never the logistics that are the hard part. It's it's our minds that are messing with us. No, I, I can't ask for a better way to end this. I really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, this was great. And I uh, hope we can chat again sometime. Absolutely. I would love it. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.